Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, take out your worship guide. Inside are some sermon notes as we dive into part one of our series on love, sex, and marriage. Listen, here's who it's for. If you're single, it's for you. If you're married, it's for you. If you're unhappily married, it's for you. If you're happily married, it's for you. Divorced, widowed, single again, whatever your situation is, I want you to know this series is for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take some notes, show up, get a, you know, lean into this because I'm telling you this is going to help you. And so let me talk to all the single people at every location. We have lots and lots of hundreds, if not thousands of single people that'll be listening to this message today. So here's your first thing. Write it down in your notes. I want you to understand this, that single people, the best time to invest in your future marriage is before you get married. So I want to help you over this series. You're going to take a bunch of notes and you go, well, this doesn't apply to me. It will one day. You need to invest in your future marriage now by being all that God's called you to be today. Now, married people, I'm not letting you out of this because some of you have been married five years, some of y'all 50 years. Let me just say this one. Ready? Married people, the best time to make your marriage healthy is now. So it's not, I'm going to wait till this happens or the job changes or when their, their, their character or their, they change their attitude. No, no, no. We're going to make lifestyle changes now so that our church can have the healthiest marriages. Can I hear a good amen today, church? When your marriage really does matter. I'm going to set a foundation for it today that I think is going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. I've been waiting for this message for months. I've been preparing it, ready for it, and I think it's going to help you. And I'm going to talk to you today about what's called the myths of marriage. The myths of marriage. There's a lot of ideas kind of floating out there about what marriage is, about what it kind of entails, and, and you're learning the idea of marriage from something. Maybe you're learning it from your parents. Um, maybe from a mentor or somebody else you've seen. Sadly, we've been taught relationships in a crazy way. Can I just be vulnerable with you guys for a little bit? We're raised in a culture that teaches us, and the models for relationship are some of the most bizarre things out there. Let me just be very real with you today. I'm, I'm going to give you some, some stories that you've probably heard, love stories. I'm going to show you how crazy they are. Because they are the standard for relationships in our culture today. And they learn, hey, this is how you do relationships. And, and it's all like, if you have a relationship like this, you really made it. And I think it's crazy. I want to show you how crazy. This is, what, this is what Hollywood, this is what people have taught us for years. You've grown up hearing this. And how about this first one? Romeo and Juliet. Oh, look at the Romeo. The, the classic love story. A lovesick Romeo who is a teenager, by the way, falls in love instantly with Juliet, who is a younger teenager than he is. The story goes that he's due to marry, she's due to marry her father's choice, the county Paris, and, and so he decided to do what is smart, and they decided to go away and marry in secret on the next day, like right after they met. But Romeo gets banished because uh, he kills Juliet's cousin, lots of drama in there, in a desperate attempt to reunite with Romeo, Juliet fakes her own death. The message fails to reach Romeo, and believing, believing Juliet is dead, he takes, his life, um, he takes his life in her tomb. So Juliet wakes up, finds Romeo's corpse beside her, and she kills herself. 
This is the classic love story that we are to model our life after. Romeo and Juliet is not a love story, children. It is a five-day infatuation between teenagers that ends up with six people killed. It's not a great story. If anything, I guess the lesson that I could teach you off of this is that good communication is key in a marriage. (laughs) Romeo wasn't aware that Juliet was taking her own death and in turn, women, we can't read your mind. And in turn, he takes his own life a few minutes later, followed by Juliet doing the same. Had there been better communication, Romeo and Juliet would have lived happily ever after. That is the story you've learned. All right, how about this one? You raised on this one. How about Beauty and the Beast? The classic love story of Beauty and the Beast. A man is cursed, and he's turned into an animal. He has no interaction with humans for years, One day a girl stumbles in as she's looking for her father into his castle. They fall in love and they live happily ever after. When my children watched this one, I had to sit them down and explain some key rules about dating and relationships that I wanna make sure that they did not take away from this that I also wanna make sure you you understand. Rule number one, if he tries to kill your father, don't date him. Rule number two, if he locks you in a cell in a castle, don't try to date him. Rule number three, if he is an animal. Does anybody else not think it's weird? Don't date the guy, all right? It's right there, all right? All right, one more, one more, one more, all right? Because I grew up on this one. This is a big one, Titanic, all right? The classic love story of Jack and Rose. That was one of my favorites growing up. It shaped our generation. But if you look just a little bit closer, it's a crazy story. It's, we've, we're learning lessons in relationships from these people. So let me give you a little idea of what happens in Titanic. Rose, who is, on a, is a girl on a cruise with her fiance. Red flag number one right there. <laughs> Hello. And so she is miserable. She's about to jump off the ship. And who comes on the scene? But Jack, let me just say, if she's trying to end her life, probably not a good time to start a relationship with her. She probably needs a little bit of therapy and a little bit of help. It's not time to really jump into a long-term relationship. So they have this fling for a couple days until the ship is hit by, uh, ship hits an iceberg and goes down. You would have thought that ended it. She decides not to go on the lifeboat. Instead, she was gonna stay with this guy who she had met a couple days earlier, ladies and gentlemen. And she stays and goes down with the ship. While they're in the water, Jack selfishly allows her to take this little piece of wood that was probably a a door, and she lays on it. Now, this lady is crazy for a lot of reasons. One, she leaves her fiance. She doesn't get on the life raft, and then she does get on a piece of board, but you know she's crazy because if you look at the picture, there was room for him on the board also, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll just say this, if she leaves her fiance that quickly for you, she won't leave a place for you on the board. She'll drop you in the frozen water very quickly. I'm just telling you, it's a life lesson for you in Titanic today. Preach, ladies and gentlemen. So what does this all mean? There's a way that we've been trained up in relationships that's wrong. Proverbs says it this way. There's a way that appears to be right. 
It appears, it appears, isn't this fun? Like it appears to be right, just run off with whoever makes you feel good, whatever happens. But at the end, it leads to what? It leads to death. So I'm, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you overcome some of these common marriage myths. And I've got a few for you today that I think are huge. Number one is this, is the marriage myth is that marriage will make me fulfilled. I, I'm telling you, if I just got married, I'm gonna be so happy. Disney lies to us and tells us this. Because the story that Disney always gives us before marriage is they're miserable, they're sad, they're lonely, they're, they're by themselves, they have no purpose, and they meet the person and everything just comes to life. And they just ride off together into the woods. Like, it's just perfect. That is not real life. The lie that's been ingrained to us is always phrased like this. I will be happy when, and you fill in the blank. Always. It's always the same. I'm going to be happy when. Here's how it looks in relations. I'm going to be happy when I can start dating somebody. Then I'll be happy when we get engaged. Then I'll be happy when we get married. By the way, it doesn't end there either. Because then it's I'll be happy when we have kids. Then I'll be happy when we have more kids. Then I'm going to be happy when these kids are grown and out of the house. Then I'm going to be happy when my kids get married. Then I'll be happy when my kids start having kids. It never ends. It's a never-ending cycle. And by the way, it's not just a relationship thing. It's a life thing. It's a money thing. I'm going to be happy when I make this amount of money. It's a, it's a fitness thing. I'm going to be happy when I weigh this amount. This is a lie that's been taught to us for years. It's a myth. Marriage will not make you fulfilled. The Bible says it this way, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it is godliness with contentment that is great gain. So you want to be fulfilled, you need to learn that it's not going to come from from your marriage, it's going to come from something that God does inside of you with true contentment. You've got to learn that it's not about what somebody else is going to do to please me. It's not about what someone else is going to do to fulfill me. Imagine how crazy this is. We believe that we're broken, we're insignificant. If we get with somebody else that's broken and insignificant, we'll just help complement each other. Wrong. You'll make an even more dysfunctional two paths together. So here's a better solution if you are single. Instead of trying to find your completeness in other people, try to find it in the one that created you and watch how he'll complete you. He'll make you into whole. And then you as a whole person, get with them as a whole person and watch how the two now become one and you become a force to be reckoned with. That is biblical marriage right there. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? Only Jesus can complete you and fulfill you. So where does true fulfillment come? We talk about it all the time, write it down. True fulfillment comes from serving God and from serving people. So if you're gonna try to find it in some kind of marriage, it's not gonna happen that way. You gotta understand life is, the point of life is not sex, it's serving. And you find so much fulfillment in learning how to serve God and serve other people. That's where you'll be fulfilled. Katie and I, we dated for years, for about a year, and then we broke up, and many people don't know the story for about four years we were apart, um, just doing her, she was doing her own stuff, I was doing my own stuff, and we were just broken people, messed up. I was going all over, traveling all over. There was no way I was ready to get married. And so we had this whole season apart, but it was during that season, that waiting season for Katie, she's talked about it at multiple events, 
at that waiting season for her that God radically transformed her life. She, she was a social worker for the state, was able to help people. She ended up getting her nursing degree. During this whole four-year season, ended up getting a degree in nursing. She lived, people don't know this, she went overseas to Africa and lived in Ethiopia for months at a time, serving in Mother Teresa homes, like hitchhiking. Through, like I got on to her all the time. Like She was hitchhiking, going through the country, trying to help all these people. Like This is her, like her life. When people look at it and they go, oh, you know, y'all always had to get, no, 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 it was in that season where we, she was like, I'm not married, I'm not having this season right now, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to work on serving God and serving other people, and she was just as fulfilled then as she is now married with four children, because listen, it's all about serving Jesus and serving other people, no matter your relationship status. And then when you, when you do get married, understand that fulfillment's not going to be by, by what they can do for you, but by what you can do for them. That's why Ephesians tells us in chapter five, probably the most famous uh, chapter on marriage, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes, it says, that's why we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is it? All marriage is, is how can we serve the other person more than they're serving me? If there's any competition in marriage, it's who's gonna serve you more? It's who's gonna put the other one first. It's a race, it's a race to the end of the line. I'm, it's all about serving them. My, the fulfillment of my marriage is not what can Katie do for me. It's how can I serve her? And when you learn to serve God and serve other people, that's where you'll find fulfillment. Can I hear a good amen? All right, number two, here's another one I hear is that marriage is just not worth it. Aaron, that's a lot of work. I mean, you're, you're telling me I gotta, it's, I'm gonna get legally involved with this person and... It's just like a lot of like, it's just easier just to do it the way we're doing it right now. And I hear this all the time, man. It's just, it's a lot of work to get married. And, and the stats are astounding how much people are avoiding marriage today because they just think it's a lot of work. They don't see the value in it. In 1930, 83% of American adults were married. 1930, 83%. Almost 90 years later today, 49% of American adults are married. Less than half. Why? because people are avoiding it because they have no clue what marriage really does mean. So it, it's worth fighting for, it's worth doing. So let me tell you the benefits of marriage. Here they are. If you've ever wondered, why do I get married? It just seems like a lot of work. Here's, here's the benefits of marriage. Let me give you three of them that have impacted my life. Number one is that marriage helps sanctify us. Now that's, a, that's an interesting word. It means to purify us, to make us more like Jesus. It's a Christian phrase. The, the word sanctification. So, you know, your justification happens when you get saved. You're right away, you're on a path towards heaven. But sanctification means you got some stuff to work out. And, and you've got some issues in your life to work out. So when I get married, when I got married, I don't know if you realize this, there was things I didn't know about myself that I found out when I got married. Like, I, there were some things I just didn't know that were weird that I did. There, there's a lot of things that Katie did that were just weird that she found out when we got married. Like for instance, Katie, let me just say this, she's not in the service so I can say it. Um, she doesn't, she, when, when she pours cereal, she doesn't bring the bag back down. Do you know what I mean? She leaves the bag open. How dare you? Do you understand like what kind of, like th this is chaos in our home. You, 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 you roll the bag, come on, how many women? You roll the bag back down. Like you push it back down right there. That, that is something you do. For me, I, I, I didn't realize there was a way that you're supposed to load a dishwasher. I just thought you put dishes in there and you turn it on. No, 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 no. Katie informed me. She helped sanctify my dishwashing process. And let me realize, listen, 
Listen, and, and that's not how you do it. You have to put them in the row, and you have to put them clean, and, and then you have to rinse them before you put them in. Why? That's why I bought the machine. The machine should rinse it for me. I am just supposed to put it. No, 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 you can't do it. You got to wash. Katie washes the dishes before they wash the dishes. Makes no sense to me. But what is it? Something I found out. And here's what happens when you get married. When you get in a God-honoring, God-centered marriage, you get together, what happens is you'll realize the very things that bother each other are the very things that the way the Lord is trying to work stuff out of each other's lives. He wants to make, listen, God's primary desire for your life is not for you to be happy. He wants you happy. I do, I think he wants you blessed. I think he wants you happy. But his primary desire for your life is for you to be holy. So he puts you in the marriage, and he wants you happy in the marriage, but his primary thing is, is that there's a way that you talk that he wants you to change, and there's, there's actions he wants you to change, and there's fruit of the Spirit he wants you to develop. And what did he do? He puts you with that very spouse that sometimes drives you nuts. Why? Because he knows it's going to take them in your life to make you into the person he's called you to be. Don't, don't shy away from it. Embrace them in that moment and say, okay, God, the very things that drive me crazy are the very reason you put us together because you want to make us into Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Like that is the purpose of marriage. Ephesians chapter five says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a, that's my favorite verse right there. Look at that. As a radiant church without stain or wrinkle. We were in the Bible right there and any other blemish but holy and blameless. Listen, I, I, what does that mean? It's, it's the example God gives us. Listen, when we get together, Christ came not, not, to just, not to just celebrate us, but he came to transform us. And the same way when you get in this marriage, you're not trying to change the other person, but you're in this marriage going, you know what? Together, we're gonna be more like Christ. Together, we're gonna work attitudes out and things out of our life. Don't run from it, embrace it. Here's the other one that I think is a good benefit of marriage is marriage offers sex without shame. Had to be talked about somewhere. So I think it's important that our world is bombarded by sex. The songs, the movies, the website, and it's all throughout God's word, and yet it's silent in so much of our communication. And, and what do we do? We offer this thing as like a, a shameful thing, as a weird thing, and, and why? It's something the world so much enjoys, but here's the problem. Like all sin, the world enjoys it for a season, and sex is always attached with shame when it's done outside of God's purpose of marriage. So when, you, when outside of marriage is something that, that harms you and, and hurts you, and you go, well, well it, it, there's no shame here, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I can do whatever I want, I have protection, I've heard it said this way, well, I use protection, there's not a condom big enough for your heart. And there's no way that you can sit and guard yourself in such a way to guard the emotional and the spiritual attachment that's involved in this. But, but there is a solution. Don't, don't, don't sit there and go, oh, I feel so shamed by this. No, no, no. There's a solution. You get married, and married people, you should enjoy this benefit because Genesis says it this way. It says it is the, uh, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and united with his wife and they become one flesh, Adam and his wife, were both naked, and they, guess what they did? They were like, hello, we don't feel any shame right there. Why, why, why? Because it's a benefit of marriage, and it's something we should embrace and we should enjoy. 
And it's, 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 the, it's the way God designed us to be. Number three, marriage models God's sacrificial love for people. People say, why do you get married? Why, what's the point of marriage? I'll, I'll tell you what the point of marriage. Because marriage is the best picture on the planet today of God's love for people. Let me show you this, okay? And this is unbelievable. Ephesians chapter five, same verse we're going through. Look what he says. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. The two become one flesh. It's a profound mystery. But look what he says. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. You see the connection there? He says, listen, when you look at how God connects with the church, that is the same way that husbands love the, your wife. Wives, respect your husbands. Live in this such way. This is the example on the earth today. So I'll, I'll just give you an example. So if I'm ministering to a buddy of mine who doesn't know Christ, and the buddy of mine goes, hey, I just don't know. I don't know anything about God's love. Give me an example of God's love. I should be able to say this. I should be able to say, here's the best example I can give you of God's love. Look how I love my wife. Look how I'm sacrificial towards her. Look how I put her first. Look how I talk to her. And you can look at the example of how Aaron treats Katie. That is an example to the lost world. Now I bet if you, did you, if you said that to your lost friends at church, at school, uh, not school, at school or at work, here's my question, would they wanna get saved? Would they want to look at your marriage and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of love? Or is it, I demean them, I put them off, I, I, I don't put them first? No, no, that's not the example that we have of God's love towards humanity. That is why we have a greater example that we are to give to the world today. That's why marriage is so important. Ladies, if, if, they were, if, if someone, let's just imagine it this way. If your friend says, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to communicate to God. And, and your response should be this. Hey, do you? Do you hear how I communicate to my husband? Do, I, do you hear how I communicate in love? Do you hear how I'm always listening? Do you hear how I'm always, I'm always speaking my mind? Do you, do you, hear, do you hear how I'm never demeaning or, or speaking down or, or, or slandering? Do you hear how I talk to, that's the way you should talk to God. Do you see the example? This is why marriage is so beautiful. Here it is, Radiant Church. Marriage should be our greatest witness to the lost and broken world today, that we can look how we sacrificially love each other and say that is how God sacrificially loves us. So come on, give them better praise than that today, amen? All right, last one is this, marriage myth number three. Marriage is only a piece of paper. It's just, it's just a piece of paper, Aaron. It doesn't matter. We're married in our hearts. Wrong. Marriage is so much more than a piece of paper. Here's what happens. If you think marriage is just a piece of paper, then when it gets tough, guess what you can do? We don't need it. We don't need it. It was too difficult. Marriage is way more than a piece of paper. Marriage is way more. Let me remind you what marriage is. Let me tell you. Here's the fact. Ready? The fact is that marriage takes the relationship beyond a contract and into a covenant. It's a covenant relationship. Contracts are if, then. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. If you, if you, if you make me happy, then I'll do this. If, if you follow through, then you do this. If you get that job, then I'll do this. If you serve me this way, then I'll do this. No, 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 that's, that's a contract. You know how we treat contracts? Like the Apple terms and conditions. 
We just scroll down, sure, that sounds good. Just, just let me have fun with the phone. That's what we do, don't we? Just let me play the game. That's why, that's why so many people get married. Just, let, me just, let me just have fun. And we sign, Marriage is much more than a contract. Let me remind you guys, that God did not design marriage to be some contract of, hey, if you please me, I'll please you. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. No, 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 we've cheapened this thing way too much. It is not a piece of paper. It is, so you see, here's what a contract is. A contract is always when we protect our rights and we limit our responsibilities. So, so we, we protect her, it's all about me, and then we limit our responsibilities. Well, well, they didn't do their part. Well, they didn't show up, they didn't initiate date night. That's not what a, that's not what a marriage is. See, a marriage is a covenant. A covenant, and the covenant relationship, we give up our rights, and we pick up our responsibilities. So, so let me tell you, I've given up my right, I've surrendered my right. I don't, I, it's, Katie does not exist to make me happy. That is not her goal in life. Listen, I've given up that right. I've picked up my responsibility. I am, my happiness is not determined by what somebody else does for me. I am fulfilled in who God has created me to be. I am responsible for investing in my marriage. I will do everything possible to do whatever I can to be healthy. I'm gonna do my part because this is the covenant we made. And I've told people all the time, if Katie leaves, that's okay. I'm going with her because we're in covenant together. This is a godly marriage, because this is, guess why? Because it's the same kind of relationship God created with us. It wasn't if you, if you act right, if you do enough, if you give enough money, if you go to church enough. No, 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 God says, here's how much I love you. I give you my son on the cross, and I want you to know, I forgive you, I wash you clean, it's by grace that you're saved. And it's not something that if then, it uh, doesn't matter what, we have been surrendered and totally belong to him. We are in covenant with God. Can I hear a good amen today, church? So let me take you back four weeks, and I'll close with this. Four weeks ago, I started our Decade Defining Decisions series with a message on the wedding at Cana, where Jesus made the most bizarre miracle ever, where he goes into this wedding, and he takes some water, and he turns it into wine. Out of all the miracles Jesus could have done, has his first miracle. Why this? Why not healing a sick child? Or why not cleansing the leper, raising the dead? Why not doing something big? Jesus didn't. Jesus set a precedent that here's where his miracles would start, in the midst of a marriage. In the midst of a marriage, where it all seemed lost, where there was lack, Jesus walked in and said, listen, I'm just gonna make a decision to make sure everybody understands. No matter what is lacking in this marriage, I can bring fulfillment. No matter what seems broken in this marriage, I can bring he a healing. No matter how, what seems lost in this marriage, Jesus can bring the breakthrough. And I've come to tell somebody today that your covenant might be suffering between you and your spouse, but I have good news for you today. Jesus is still making miracles in the midst of marriages. No matter how far it seems gone, how lost it is, Jesus can bring the miracle you need today. Why don't we stand to our feet in every location? Why don't we put our attention on him? He is a miracle working God. Come on, sing it out.
with every eye closed, every person standing at every location, this could be the most important moment in somebody's relationships this morning. Jesus is still making miracles in the midst of marriages. And I know there's some people in here and you're hurting and your marriage is broken and it seems like your best days are behind you. When Jesus looked at that water, he saw what was lacking and he said, you know what? I can bring fulfillment in it. He saw what was broken and he says, no, 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 I can bless it. He saw what looked over and he said, no, 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 there's a future in it. That is our miracle working God. And I don't know if you're sitting next to your spouse or maybe your spouses won't even go to church with you right now, but right where you're at, I just want you to pray for your marriage right now. Just believe God for your marriage right now. Many of you are single and you go, well, I'm at this place where I don't, I don't know what my future is. Just believe God that he's got a healthy, thriving covenant relationship in store for you in the future. Come on, sing it, David. I want you to just make it a declaration. Even when I feel it, you Yes. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop. Come on, across every location, we sing this out together today. Come on, we sing. Even when I don't see it, you're at Radiant Church. Lord, I pray for those who have gone into a covenant relationship with each other. Lord, I pray for protection over them. I pray that even today they would feel a fresh drive to invest in their marriage, to believe in their marriage. Lord, I pray for those who are single or dating or engaged. Lord, would you, would you help them to make wise relationship decisions so that we can be an example to a lost and broken world of how you care and love for us. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're in here today at any location and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You go, Aaron, I, I, don't, I don't have that relationship with God. I, I know he went to the cross for me. I know he wants to forgive me. I've never accepted that into my life. Today's your day to accept the work of Jesus in your life. How do you do that? You're going to act in faith. You're going to respond in faith. And on the count of three, you're going to raise that hand and say, Aaron, today's my day to give my life to Jesus. Today's my day to surrender to him. And when you make that decision, I believe he's going to change your life forever. On the count of three, at every location, you're going to throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. One, two, three. Throw those hands up all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many people. Just pray this prayer. Why don't we pray it out loud at every location? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I make a decision to make you my Lord and my Savior. Forgive my past, my present and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for your covenant relationship with me.
I surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate lives change for eternity? Huge deal. We celebrate you at every location.